We are Taking the Helm with risk takers who are motivating us to take charge and make things happen with your host, Lynn McLaughlin. Now, I'm pretty excited as the host of Taking the Helm because we're approaching our 30th episode. And so with that, we've created a search function on my website. If you go to the Taking the Helm page, you can now search any topic that's of interest to you. And I know that you will find one of my guests that might help you make the changes you want in your own life. Our guest today reached out to me, I think about five months ago, because she has many, many stories to tell. And she thought at that time she would be writing a book. Michelle Stein is here with us today, and she is certainly taking the helm. This is the first time that she will be speaking publicly about the horrific and traumatic experiences she has had from early childhood right through her life. But even more importantly, those experiences led to addiction, and she is now in recovery. And I am so proud of, of you, Michelle, because you've got the courage to tell this story, but also the will to uh, share with everyone what you're doing now to make a difference in the lives of others. It is an honor to be here actually. Um, and thank you for that introduction uh, because this is a day where I feel like I, um, I, I have a voice. And uh, from where I've come from in life, um, it's not always been the case. Uh, I think I spoke to you and I'd like to speak to the audience about um, uh, really about hiding in plain view. And that's how I refer to my life is um, I was, you know, a, a very well taken care of child as, as far as, you know, I had a wonderful roof over my head and two parents and siblings and um, uh, everything looked great. Everything looked great, but didn't feel great. Um, I'm an adult child of an, uh, of an alcoholic home, home and um, my mother and father uh, were challenged for sure with mental health, um, you know, problems, which of course we see today in, in lots of ways. And we actually uh, um, led a very rough life. I experienced trauma. I experienced uh, a lot of what alcoholic homes have. Uh, there was nothing short of of uh, you know a physical abuse and, and mental abuse and sexual abuse um, and uh, what I really would like to touch on today is that uh, yes I'm here in recovery uh, but it's been a long road and um, horses have uh, I'm, and, and horses do play a big role in my life uh, they did for my mother my mother was involved in horses when she was young my father as well and the reason why I mention that is because uh, I saw many, many, many times my mother refer to her life when she was with horses and that's when she shone. Um, and the rest of the time, uh, as I was growing up as a child, I really saw a lot of struggling as well. Um, so, you know, today it's my opportunity to share that I went through life with, um, with lots of them and bigger. I, um, uh, I had five, I have five siblings um, and I'm the youngest of six. And, you know, oftentimes people will say that uh, being the youngest of six, you probably were spoiled. Well, I was by my siblings. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I actually disappeared otherwise. 
um, I was uh, hiding from as much as I could. Uh, the nights were long at home. Uh, they were very dark. They're, they're scary for a child uh, in an alcoholic home and where there was a lot of mental health issues. Um, but they were never, um, if, if I can say, they were never a di there was never a diagnosis by, by sorts, right? So the everyday average family is where I grew up, uh, according to what people saw. Um, so it brings me to, to tell my story about being my version of hiding in plain view. Um, two years ago, when I, when I, be, when I became uh, very aware of the fact that I was very close to actually ending my life uh, because I had, I had been through so much adversity. Uh, I, in 2007, I lost my eldest sister. Uh, it was very sudden. Uh, it was a, a virus related, but she also lived a very uh, challenging uh, life as well as a single woman and a woman who um, helped lots of people, but didn't know how to take care of herself. Alcoholism, as I say, went through the entire family. She struggled as well. And I don't tell these stories out of school. Um, many, many times my siblings and I have spoke about the fact that we couldn't talk. We actually would sing to each other old country songs when mom and dad would put them on. That was the way that we could actually communicate with each other. And uh, uh, so I, we lost her in 2007. And then not only uh, two years later, my mom passed. Uh, again, not a well woman, died of cancer. Uh, just uh, not even a year after that, I lost my third oldest sister. Uh, my sister, again, not telling tales at a school or, you know, taken away from her story. She honestly was doing a lot of advocating for herself through the Canadian Mental Health Association. My sister was diagnosed in the early 30s with schizophrenia. Mm. And so um, you can imagine uh, then when I talk about my experience that there was not a lot of helping each other. We really felt alone. We were really just hiding behind anything and everything we could, even though to the world, if we had opened our mouth, we were right there in plain view, just like the, you know, what I feel is, is, is actually a pandemic itself. Uh, when we look at mental health, uh, we, can, we can zone in on, on alcoholism, but there's, it's not just, it's not the chicken or the egg. There's a lot of things happening. And I, and I experienced that in my family. Um, so uh, shortly after that, uh, my brother, who is uh, uh, only five years older than I am, uh, who lived uh, a very active life, he was he was a um, he owned restaurants. He was a well-known hairstylist in Vancouver and Toronto, and but again, he struggled with addiction since the age of fifteen. And uh, I spent uh, the year just that just passed uh, with my brother. Um, in and out of hospital. He had uh, liver cirrhosis and he, he really um, didn't want to didn't want to die from it. Uh, but unfortunately, the reality is and people like myself uh, just put that away because it's, it's easier to numb yourself through a lot of pain. Um, that was what I chose as well was alcohol. And uh, unfortunately for us, uh, he and I were very, very close. Um, he passed on January the 15th after a month in hospice and his passing was specific to his alcohol, uh, the disease of alcoholic, uh, alcoholism. So 
Um, that was that was tremendous. And believe it or not, not only uh, four months later, I lost my eldest brother, um, which uh, at this point, uh, we're still waiting to celebrate his life because of COVID. Um, and uh, uh, he also uh, passed uh, very suddenly, uh, heart condition, but again, due to um, his history of alcohol. Um, let me just say about you know, the fact that I share these stories because it was an, it, it was an interesting thing to have in common. <laughs> uh, um, but, you know, each one of my siblings taught me something along the way. Uh, and I think I gained strength and, and courage. Um, while I learned, uh, I was open to um, helping as much as I possibly could. Uh, I learned about enabling. I learned about all of those, all of those things um, I guess we call coping mechanisms or survival mm -hmm. skills. Uh, I had a, a, a definite uh, interesting relationship with my father because I witnessed more than I probably should have as a young child. And uh, he was, you know, uh, the predator in, 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 in all of it, really. Um, and uh, I, I have to tell you, Lynn, this morning, I, I gained permission from him to say, you know, I think it's time we talk about this out loud. And uh, he's been kind of with me all morning um, in that way. And when he passed, um, uh, he passed uh, two days actually prior to my brother being uh, given his last rates as well. So uh, there was, there's been a lot of loss in my life. Um, and a lot of love. Uh, we held on to each other. And the one thing I can tell you about that, we always referred back to our horses. That was our safe game. That was, uh, I was young when my parents were involved in it. Uh, by the time I came around, uh, my mother and father's experience and involvement with horses was well over, um, if you can imagine, because my mom was doing her work with horses. She was a professional hunter jumper. And my father actually trained horses for the Kentucky Derby. And it was all brought on by my grandfather um, in the little town of Decumpsey. And uh, my mother was very talented. Uh, she trained horses. She had a horse that did 21 different tricks. <laughs> and bless her heart, she, uh, she actually did those um, uh, in front of people uh, to raise money for children with disabilities and for people who were homeless. A lot of goodness in the family, but a lot of mental health um, that was never spoke of. Um, and I followed each one of my siblings uh, very closely. And uh, it, you know, it, my, my parents actually were very talented, but this was something that we always came back to was horses. It was something that our, uh, as siblings, we had in common. Uh, so it, it was near and dear to my heart as a child. I hoped that I could, you know, have a horse one day and, uh, and it stayed there until I was in my early 30s. And bless that, because if in my life I wanted to really focus on some, uh, something extremely powerful and extremely spiritual, it was being with my horses. Um, I'm you know, Michelle, you and I have spoken a few times, but I, I still really have no words. Each time um, you share something a little bit new or a little bit different with me, I just to, to think about six children in a, in a home where you're terrified, literally, as you said, the darkness of the night of what's going to happen to you or one of your siblings. And yet you all got through that. And every, every single one of you, because of what you endured as a child, turned to addiction as 
a coping mechanism, as you've said. And you've now lost, you only have two siblings left. I have, correct? I, I actually have one sibling left. One sibling left. Yes, I have a sister who, uh, thank goodness, lives close to me in Windsor, and uh, um, and she and I have, uh, um, you know, really put things in perspective at this point. But um, not speaking for herself, but she also uh, is uh, uh, very well recovered um, from her addiction of alcohol as well, way early on, um, and thank goodness for that. We have we support each other. That is what it takes. We mm -hmm. need support. Um, it is, uh, it's, it's difficult, um, it, you know, hiding in plain view. Uh, we're, we all had successful lives. I have two beautiful children. I've been married for 33 years. Uh, I have a beautiful home and properties, and uh, I've had wonderful experiences with starting businesses. But, you know, looking back at my childhood, I'm really starting to understand a little bit more from the perspective, Lynn, of... Um, being the adult child of an alcoholic and that uh, coming together with being an alcoholic uh, brings me to a place of recovery um, that I'm really thankful for. Uh, I'm starting to understand who I really am and that is uh, probably some of my brother's last words before he passed is that living the life that we lived of trauma and adversity and um, loss and, and addiction, we really had no opportunity to, to experience our life as children. Um, yeah, and to understand who you were, who you no, really were. Mom. Exactly. And you know, I have to tell you this little bit about my mom, uh, who was really the glue. I, I think that, you know, often we'll look at a person in the family as the glue, um, as dysfunctional as our family was. Um, you know, I had this unspoken contract with her mm. that I was to take care of everything. Um, and uh, I, I, I did the best I could. Uh, but as you said, Lynn, I mean, it, it followed me as well. I, I was the person who said, I'm the youngest, I'm the strongest. Um, it'll never happen to me. <laughs> you know, I watched my family uh, and, and it was never going to happen to me. Oh, that's just so much to bear on your shoulders. So much to bear. You describe yourself as being codependent with your mother as well. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And natural. It's a natural thing. Uh, not, you know, uh, to not fall into that. Uh, it's kind of the opposite. If you're not going to enable somebody to do what they're doing, you become codependent. You know, for me, it was really about making everything right. If I could mm -hmm. just make everything right. Uh, and what I realize now is that's really about, I had no control over that. As a child, I didn't understand it. But as an adult, I understood as I moved along, I couldn't control them. I had to control myself. And unfortunately, um, by that time, I was, I was really at the end of, of having the energy to take care of myself. Uh, and, you know, that's where the problem begins right there is when we start to hide so well. I had a bag of masks, Lynn, bigger than this room. And I would put one on every time I wanted to, you know, succeed at something in life. And uh, the, those masks became extremely thin. <laughs> mm. And they had lots of holes in them. And I was literally, uh, alcohol was a place for me to go, not only a common place and something very familiar for me, 
but it was also one of those things that I was in so much denial with that it was just making me or helping me get through and do what it was that I needed to do, thus taking care of my family or, or you know, um, getting, keeping my jobs and, 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 and succeeding in life. Uh, what I know now is that that was really messy. <laughs> it, uh, you know, uh, that bag of masks, uh, I had to pack that up and I had to, you know, move that on um, and, and take a really good look at myself. To get to know myself was to really take a good look at myself. Um, was there was there an incident or something that happened in your life, Michelle, after enduring all of this that made you say, "I need to find a way to move into recovery"? Where you where you where you came to the point where you accepted that you were an alcoholic and that you had to make a change in your life? Was there an incident, a change moment, something yeah. that occurred, or <clears throat> was it accumulation? As you say, maybe the masks were just uh, had, had such large holes at that point that you really didn't have another option. Yeah. Uh, Lynn, thanks for asking that. Uh, to be very, very honest with you, the holes in those masks were so big that everyone could see them. Oh. And the only way I got through was denial. Mm. And uh, when denial started to fade and I hated myself day after day after day, not forgetting that I have two beautiful children um, who are in their late 20s, early 30s, who saw their mother <clears throat> much different. And then all of a sudden, was, you know, I was turning to alcohol. Uh, as my way, my maybe liquid courage in life, I guess you might call it, mm -hmm. as things were still happening. And the answer to your question is yes, I became um, out of answers. I was, I was out of solutions for myself, for everyone. I was running out and I got to a point where life uh, was flashing in front of me and I couldn't see anything in the future. Mm -hmm. And I, at that point, was extremely serious about taking my own life, uh, which scared me. Uh, a great deal because it was my children's faces that flashed in front of my eyes um, and uh, I called my son and I said I need help and uh, I was within five days uh, in treatment and um, thank goodness for that so I actually spent two uh, two months in uh, in treatment uh, and uh, it was for not only alcohol, uh, not only for addiction, Lynn, it was also for PTSD. One of the things that I didn't know <laughs> as I was going through that is that I was experiencing great, great, a great deal of PTSD um, uh, symptoms, episodes, uh, breakdowns, uh, people will refer to them differently. So I want to respect that. But the other thing of it is, is, um, I had no idea up until that time, believe it or not, Lynn, that my parents were alcoholics. I was talking to a psychiatrist and telling her my life and saying, my parents, they hated me. They never saw me. They, they hurt everyone. They, all those things. And I almost had to like prove to this, this, this professional that that was true. And through that process, every single answer at the end of that answer was what was happening at the time while well, they were drinking. Or they were fighting because they were drinking or my, you know, that sort of thing. So it, you know, and, and, and that never involves one person when you drink, you know, it is a family disease mm -hmm. and that is a term used, but it has many, many, uh, many meanings as well. So after treatment, I came home uh, and um, I've been celebrating recovery uh, ever since. So I'm over two years now in recovery. I have, <clears throat> I have 
lots of people to thank for that, including my children and my husband, mm. my horses, my dearest best friend, uh, who is beside me all the time, um, my friend Sarah. And she, uh, you know, we both have encouraged each other to reach out. There are so many support groups. And unfortunately, when you're going through this, it's almost overwhelming. Where do you go? Not everything works for one person. I don't believe in a cookie cutter effect um, uh, because we're individuals and we're, we need to honor ourselves. Um, and in honoring yourself, it also is, you know, learning about some things about respecting yourself and learning about mm -hmm. humility. And there's a, you know, I, I would wake up in the morning sometimes and I'd look at my husband and I'd say, and I know there's a lot of people out there that say this, darn, it's hard to be me. <laughs> right? Um, when we when we have challenges in front of us, you know, when you're on a, a you know, a thin branch, right? And you and uh, and, and you're there on that thin branch. So there's a lot of work to be done. And, and I, I don't regret it, but I do reach out to those people who, um, and I say people in general, because there is no age or demographics or anything that, you know, is not affected by, we'll talk about addiction, but addiction is, a, is, a, is an absolute uh, root, a, a deep root of mental health. Mm -hmm. uh, it all comes back to that mental health and the wellness of our mental health. And, and uh, that, that can occur, as far as I'm concerned, for me, uh, Lynn, it actually, I've seen it affect people who have had um, traumas, uh, mm -hmm. uh, diseases. My mom had cancer. Um, you know, uh, my brother lived for two years with liver cirrhosis. It's a terrible, terrible thing to see happen. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, there's work to be done uh, in, in those areas. You, you shared with me what I thought was a very powerful expression motto. I don't know what you want to call it, but you said, um, we learn quickly that it's only 5% drink and it's 95% think. Yes. Yes. Um, it's something that, you know, I can't take credit for in the sense of it being a term or a theory in, in general. Uh, it's many years old. Uh, and it was, it's passed on to people who are, who are supporting each other uh, in recovery because there is a great truth to that. The reason you pick up a drink or a drug or, or anything, anything that we could consider uh, um, maybe that's not great for you, but it does something for you. You know, either it comforts you or, or it numbs you or uh, it gets you through it um, or it gives you the confidence, whatever that might be. Uh, that's just picking up the drink or picking up the drug or grabbing that piece of food or turning on the channel, porn channel or whatever it is that has happened in a person's life that they found as a survival technique mm. or a coping mechanism. It, it's, a, it's, it's finding external gratification because you can't, because you can't deal with what's inside you. Exactly. Or you, or you don't really know what it's or all you about. When you just know. talked about PTSD and all of those experiences as a child growing up and that accumulation of, of stress, of trauma, what does that look like when you've not dealt with it as a 20-year-old, a 30-year-old, a 40-year-old? I, I can't imagine. Yes. And, and you know, then uh, when you think about the 95% is the think, mm -hmm. it's exactly what you just said. It's trying to figure it out trying to figure it out. And, you know, there may be days 
that you think you've got it all together and that might be when you put something down, right? And you think you can do it on your own and then you do a little bit and you, you know, and, and, you, and you get discouraged. You disappoint yourself, you, you fail, you know, it's mm. in whatever way that it is that's happening in your mind or sometimes what people tell you. Um, and again, that's, you know, it, it, it's about that perception um, of yourself in that 95% mm -hmm. and it can, it can, it can separate, you know, a good thing from a bad thing. You know, what, what do you do when we're talking about recovery? We say one day at a time, right. one day is a long day, is a long day. Um, but it's also a long day when you're homeless and it's also a long day when you have not, you don't have the money. And it's also a long day when you're missing someone. So each one of those success days is a celebration, right? And it also makes you stronger, I would think, I would think, um, so that you can face a challenge that might be coming in the third day or the fourth day or the fifth day and not have to be able to pick up that drink or, as you said, whatever, whatever it is has been getting you through. Would you, would you, what do you think? I would, I would, no, I would agree. <clears throat> I would agree because, you know, we can refer to what's happening right now um, with COVID, right? Uh, every day is a celebration. If you look on any online support group or, uh, or anything, people are counting down and they're looking for support. They're looking for ways to celebrate. They're looking for, you know, getting through one more day of not feeling suicidal or not, you know. Um, and actually, I think the reason why I called you uh, one day uh, and, and shared a little bit more was because I had just recently, March, I had a terrible, terrible episode of PTSD and I had never experienced this and I didn't have my coping mechanism, my, my, my false coping me mechanism to fall back on, thank goodness, because mm -hmm. it would have just amplified it. But I was listening to the news and the news had announced that uh, with COVID, that there would be um, essential services that would be staying open and those that were not essential, non-essential, that they, they would be closing. And we waited day after day with those announcements that were coming through, if you remember. Yes, we did. And, and I, re I just, uh, I, I, I was listening to it and, and the chief medical officer um, uh, got on and we, we had a little information. And then there was this announcement that uh, the LCBO um, and the beer stores any of those sorts of things would be would remain as an essential service, mm -hmm. and and it just kind of rolled through like that. And then in the next, and I was like, no, that had to be a mistake. That had to be a mistake. So <laughs> I got online and I read through, and sure enough, it it was the truth. And uh, I was I was blown away. I, I was absolutely blown away. All I had, I, I basically had a mental health breakdown. All I could hear in my mind was children at home, not at school, mm -hmm. parents are devastated, scared, panicked, um, anxieties are as high as you can possibly imagine, and people are trapped in their homes for good reason. I'm using the word trapped because that's how I felt. Mm -hmm. I became, I be, like, I became that child all of a sudden trapped in the house because that is what it feels like to be a child in a home where there is no help uh, around addiction. And we're supposed to cope. Either you take care of that person, you hide from that, those people. Um, that was my experience. And so I literally had a PTSD meltdown, like just um, 
and, and it turned into almost like um, tinnitus, where in my ears, all that kept ringing was the sound of children crying and, and, and asking for, for their mom or, you know, just all of those. It was, it was really a flashback is really what it was. And yet in my life, it wasn't COVID, obviously. It was the mere fact that you're five years old and you're not going anywhere. And if you're asked to get up in the middle of the night to help, you know, uh, sort out a fight, then that's what you do, right? So um, it really brought to mind that, you know, again, it's that COVID piece itself was devastating to me. It's like, that is not helping the issue. And I always, again, go back to the children because I always feel that it's our children and I take total responsibility for, you know, my, you know, my life and my children. And we talk about that. And I'm sure there's lots of talking to do because mm-hmm. uh, there's learnings in this and uh, I hope that in my recovery and in my life experience that I can you know uh, share in a way that says there is hope um, and, uh, and it took me a long time to believe in myself um, my horses are the places that I go uh, because I know that they that they believe in me but I have to say Lynn, that when I experienced that PTSD um, experience, I thought right then it's time for someone like myself to speak out Mm -hmm. um, because there are a lot of me out there and in the audience and and I honor people in their life. Um, And uh, my my siblings taught me that. They came from many walks. And, uh, um, And now I carry on with uh, doing the work that I do uh, so that people can come to uh, a place um, with horses that do believe, they do believe, they have no other, they don't care if you pull up in a Mercedes or if you pulled up in a, in a you know, a little go-kart with your grandmother's sweater on, it doesn't matter. Um, it is a place where you start fresh uh, and uh, it is a whole piece that, uh, that I spend my life, I'm passionate about that. I'm passionate about the young people uh, and I'm passionate about horses and and I would have never been able to embrace that Lynn if I didn't have the recovery that I have today and I ask for strength and courage every day and you're and carrying on the legacy of your mom yes <laughs> it's interesting eh, how that can uh, uh, this this part of it I'm quite proud of because I know that's what kept her centered she was an only child um, and uh, believe it or not, only child, has six children, and then she actually was a school bus driver for years and years and years for the school board. <laughs> I said, okay. I don't understand this, but um, uh, this is what happens, you know, in life when you're, I look at my mom, and she could go through a day, but the nights were long for her, um, uh, but the horse piece itself, Lynn, um, I have opened up in the spirit of horses, I have been doing this work for a long time, but I really chose to spend um, my time with my horses, uh, working with people in recovery and and wellness. Uh, The two go together. Uh, Recovery is wellness. Mm. Um, And and, and it circles around mental health. Uh, And I've seen both sides of that. Uh, So I can share my experience. I have two beautiful horses that are, are it's their gift. In fact, it's, that's their job. They know it when, we, when, I, when I go out with people. Um, in the Spirit of Horses offers an opportunity for people to come 
as they are for what it is that they want to work on. As I said before, we can never put, uh, put people's lives in a cookie cutter, um, you know, shape. Uh, so I pride myself in, in working with people and listening to them, uh, where, where they've come from, what they want to bring to into the ring, uh, I'll say, because we do the work outside with my horses and, and, and I do have an indoor, a small indoor uh, facility so that uh, we can be out of the elements when it's necessary. Um, and uh, in the spirit of horses is really about um, focusing and in creating a critical path for yourself. It isn't the answers, it's, it's about you creating the answers. You are the change. And horses will uh, mimic that for you. Uh, if you're showing a specific type of energy, fear, or, or maybe there's an old past that's sitting within you that's sad. Um, you know, as you spend time with horses and become curious about their, their movements with you, their energy around you, um, and we work very hard to cast the judge out because the only judge that shows up is our own judge when we're doing work with horses. So I generally play referee there and, and, and get rid of that, that judge. But you're going to have to get rid of the judge for me because I think I shared with you a very brief childhood experience. I'm not, uh, I don't get all that close to horses anymore after being bucked off of a small little pony <laughs> out of my family. Um, and I realized that's something I've, you know, that's something I've carried with me that I need to let go of. You have a second program that you began back in 2013 called Fire Horse Leadership. Would you share with our listeners what that's about? Yes, uh, Fire Horse Leadership Organization is uh, a nonprofit organization. Um, this organization was founded uh, by myself and uh, parents whose children were going to horseback riding uh, programs uh, that were facilitated by Sarah Parks Horsemanship just out of Amherstburg. Um, and Sarah uh, Parks and I are, are friends and my background was working with youth and her background was working with horses. And so we blend the two together and it worked so well with the nonprofit piece because I really wanted to focus uh, energy on um, bringing children together with horses to teach them leadership skills because leadership and horsemanship is the same thing. Mm. Really, you know, it's about confidence. It's about self, self-esteem. It's about um, being able to recognize how to do some problem solving. It's about uh, confidence. It's about relationship, yeah. right? And we miss out on some of that, uh, I feel. Uh, well, it's what I witness actually because of our um, technology and social medias and that sort of thing. We, the, it's, the relationships are different. Um, so they learn about relationships. And it's funny because the parents will say, well, how do you teach these kids leadership skills and to do all these chores and believe me, we actually have them, you know, doing what it takes to take care of a horse. Um, and we say, it's no problem. They do it with the horses because they have this great relationship with them, right? So uh, we, we created that together as a nonprofit and it is partnered with, uh, with a for-profit uh, Sarah Parks Horsemanship. And we run summer camp programs. We run um, a learn and lead program. So we start kids at the ages of three to get on ponies. So we do a trot and tots program with our young leaders helping them and the parents. And then we run a, uh, an emerging leaders program, which is those young ones at 13, 12, just coming up the ranks. And it goes up from there. There's a learn and lead program. There's a, um, uh, two other levels of programs. And what we've seen since 2013 is this beautiful uh, circle of young people and lots of them 
come through our programs. And now not only were they volunteering and participants, but now they're actually instructing and they've been employed through Service Canada to, to run our summer camps and, and, uh, uh, and work with the, the trained facilitators that work for Sarah Park Horsemanship. So then that all started because I believed in my, I believed in my childhood. Mm. Um, when I go right back, right back with a clear mindset, I think of myself as this little girl with blonde wispy hair and blue eyes, and I was gonna change the world. And I know that I'm not alone in that. I know that um, I can look at you, I can look at anyone around me that I've ever spoke with, and if we go way, way back, that's where we came from. And that's what I, I spend my time fueling, is uh, not only my own child, inner child, but I also, and I've had to reparent that uh, while I'm learning to parent. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, I, I feel that children are actually the sacred fire if we take care of that um that children itself and their mental health and, and go back to to that always um we'll be in a much better place they have a lot to teach us and uh and so fire horse is uh is a is a, a valuable valuable resource um i am the founder of it and we have young people actually on the board of directors who uh who are running that that particular organization and they, uh, they've been very proud of the fact that I'm working in the, in, uh, you know, working in now to in the spirit of horses. And I have my eye on a few of those young people that might be helping me too. <laughs> you know, I always tell people you can run, but you can't hide <laughs> as my theory. Wow. Michelle, I mean, you're what you dreamed of as a child. You are, you are changing the world right now. You come out today with courage, with honesty, with wisdom, in, in all that you've endured and are overcoming. And you, you say very clearly you are in recovery. You will always be in recovery. Mm -hmm. And um, I know there are many people who are listening to this podcast that will be reaching out to you in some way, shape or form because you've, you've touched my heart and I know you've touched others today and will continue to do so. Um, uh, I just, I have to say, I wish, I wish I had all my siblings with me. I look across the room because I have their picture in the room and it's been a hard one for me to pull out. Um, it's a family picture and I, it's just myself and my sister that, uh, that remain, right? It's, it's, uh, and I, and you know, then I am in the depths of doing grieving work right now. Um, I didn't know I was grieving. <laughs> you know what I mean? I didn't know I was grieving. People say, well, you've lost all these people, Michelle, how are you doing it? Like, you know, <clears throat> it's, and and I'm numb from it is basically what it is. So I have to go and and I have to accept that help. And at first I was a little adverse to it because it was like, no, I got this, you know, infamous. To the point where it was like, wait a second, I've got something to learn from this and I have to continue to do the work. We're never done. We're never done doing the work. Thank goodness. You know, it would, it would what would that look like? Um, people who don't do the work end up sh showing up like my like my family did you know that that they they weren't able to do the work or they chose not to do the work I don't know but uh, I have this th this work to do so I'm starting as an eight-week program uh, through the <clears throat> through the funeral home that uh, I spent a great deal of time with and it's not it's an actual eight-week course and uh, 
it isn't for me to go and instruct someone else. It's for me to do the work that I need to do. So it'll be interested, interesting to see what comes of that uh, for me because. Um, well, you lost so many people so dear to you in such a short period of time. And it, for, to lose one person that you love and you adore, there's a process for grieving. And since 2007, you've lost six people in your life. Yeah, six. Yeah. And then <clears throat> how do we support each other? It's my sister and I, you know what I mean? It's how do we support each other? We're still trying to figure that out because we were never, re never really had a chance to have a really healthy, uh, you know, um, mm -hmm. relationship. And now you're learning, we, you're learning that now, now. learning that now, you know, mm -hmm. so, and, and I'm, I'm thankful for that, you know, mm -hmm. so onward we'll go with some, uh, some work in the equine guided recovery and wellness. And that will keep, that feeds me too. Um, like you said, we don't do this alone. You know, there's a synchronicity in life. And uh, that's kind of why we got, I think that's why we met then. <laughs> it could very well be. Everything and, does happen for a reason. I believe that with all my heart. Then you've taught me a lot already about, um, you know, being myself and putting myself out there and, you know, not wasting a moment. And, and I look forward to uh, uh, people maybe, uh, you know, visiting my website. It's uh, for the, in the spirit of horses. I, I'm, I'm, I'm learning that whole social media piece. So, and I'm so excited about that. And, and, and then you taught me to, you know, to be me and uh, um, to, 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 to be confident and uh, about my voice. And that happened uh, when I did your very first, well, my very first webinar with you around uh, writing a book. And I do have a book in me. I know that. Yes, you do. Oh, yes, uh, you do. I, <laughs> and I, but I think, uh, you know, I was stuck. I was still stuck, um, again, hiding in plain view. I have nothing to be ashamed of. My parents don't have anything to be ashamed of. They have some things they should have maybe changed. Um, but I, I'm learning to honor life, you know, and uh, uh, by, by being here with you today, uh, this is helping me as well. Um, and, and, I, and I say to everyone out there, that are working on themselves, their own well-being, their own wellness, their own recovery, their own mental health. Um, stay with it, go with it, and visit my website. It is another way. It's not the only way. There's many ways that people will find the help they need. Um, as long as they ask, don't get stuck. Uh, you know, just get on my website and check it out. Uh, www.michellestein.ca. Pretty simple. It's my name. Mm -hmm. And uh, you will find uh, the packages there, a little bit about myself. Um, you will also see that I refer to myself as Little Eagle Woman, which is my medicine name. And I can go back to thanking my mom. Uh, my mom uh, is First Nations Ojibwe. And uh, unfortunately, in those days, we didn't have a chance to learn a lot about it. But again, through my siblings, I've been brought back to the fire. So a lot of the work that I do um, and a lot of the uh, recovery process that I've went through is uh, I can I can credit to to my spiritual wellness as well, um, specifically joined to my horses. So you'll read a little bit about that on my website as well. Uh, and and I do say, Lynn, if if people are interested, uh, because of uh, where we are right now and there are so many challenges, I would love to offer uh, for your viewers, um, uh, you know, an incentive. To, uh, to just read a little bit about the, um, 
the power of horses, even if they've had a little experience like yourself, not a little, when you were, when you were little, it was huge. Um, but to, to work past some of those challenges, uh, learn a little bit about the, the power of horses. And you can do that by checking out my website as well. Uh, and I would like to offer for the first four, um, I have four spots for the first four people who contact me and, uh, you know, uh, can, uh, make a commitment to their well-being and their wellness through my programs, I would offer a 10% discount for the first few uh, per persons that would contact me. Uh, and, and I would be honored to do that because I've been here with you, Lynn. Wow. So anyone who has trepidation, you know, maybe you are aware, maybe you've seen some signs, but you don't know what to do. As, as you said, Michelle, there are so many options out there, but what's the right one for you? What can it hurt to go to a website and read some information or to make a phone call? You're not obligated to carry through, but it is a first step possibly towards your own recovery. Yes, Lynn, thank you so much for this opportunity. Uh, I hope to have more uh, opportunities to chat. I, I think I have a suggestion that maybe the next time we do a, a podcast like this, Lynn, we have you out here with the horses. Oh, well, you know what? I'll take, I'll take on that challenge because I have something I've got to face. I know I've got to face it. I'm 58 years old. It's about time. It's not that I haven't been on a horse since then, but it certainly hasn't been um, um, without anxiety. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's a word for you, anxiety. So we, we're going to get you out here. <laughs> All right. I, I'll take you up on that. Thank you so much for joining us today, Michelle. Thank you, Lynn. And on that note, everyone, have a safe and healthy day. Thanks for listening. For more episodes learning from people who are steering us in the right direction, visit lynnmclaughlin.com or subscribe to this podcast feed.